Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, Reverend Jocelyn. She's going to talk to us all about entrepreneurship, success, uh, leadership. Um, it's going to be a really fascinating discussion on overcoming setbacks and failures, as well as intersection of mental health and faith. And I'm happy to welcome her to the show. So Reverend Jocelyn, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, you, we connected through Podmatch and kind of set the stage and tell people your experience and background and what you do now. Yeah, so many things. So I actually have a background in nonprofit management. I ran an agency for over 10 years, a youth center on Chicago South Side. But while working there, I realized that a number of the families that I work with experienced trauma and I wanted to do something to help them to heal. And I didn't quite know what to do. And so I after deciding that I wanted to leave the social service field at my nonprofit, I left without a full game plan of what my next step would be to step out into this arena of entrepreneurship. I don't necessarily recommend that you just leave without a plan, but that's what I did. <laughs> it took me about a year or so to even figure out how this might look. Uh, and my ministry or my business actually started off initially as a blog of me writing stories of how God helped people to heal from trauma. And eventually that developed into a book and that developed into a podcast. And then that developed into uh, what I call trauma healing groups. We facilitate groups to help people to heal from trauma. And I started training people on this curriculum that was developed by the Trauma Healing Institute. And then I realized from there that individuals needed individual counseling and therapy. And so I developed a Christian counseling practice. And now um, I help women, in addition to that, start their ministries. And so it's been an evolution over the last five years. I could not have written this out or planned this at all, <laughs> but it's been a fun journey along the way. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, I love this. Uh, I love hearing because, you know, I love, I'm, again, I'm spiritual and uh, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And I and I love hearing about how people take leaps of faith. They they place their faith in some higher power. And um, it, it's just very inspiring, especially when, you know, provisions and all these things and um, in trauma. So kind of the first question is um, this idea of um, you know, empowering leadership in women and how do you, what advice do you have for women who aspire to take on leadership roles in their communities, ministries, and especially in environments where they face unique challenges? 
Yeah, it's tough, right? If for for me as a, a woman, particularly in ministry, that's where I coach a lot of women who want to start their own ministry. There's roadblocks. There are uh, systems in which uh, in some faith traditions, women are not expected to be in leadership. And I know that applies in other arenas as well, where women might be challenged to break through glass ceilings. And so I always um, tell women that sometimes if you are not invited to the table, you create your own table uh, if you're not allowed to sit there. And we do have to be resilient when it comes to uh, the calling that we uh, feel that we are led to, whether it's starting a nonprofit, whether it's starting a for-profit, whether it's building whatever type of business, there are going to be obstacles that we face, uh, whether it's because of our gender, race, the fact that it's just hard to be an entrepreneur in general, like there's just obstacles that you will face that this road is not easy. And you do have to have staying power to see the fruits of your labor and be able to get back up from setbacks, being told no, being told you're not good enough. And then the fact that sometimes we tell ourselves we're not good enough. We question ourselves if we're going to be able to uh, fulfill the dream that we have. And so I always encourage women who are stepping out first to find a mentor find a coach, someone who has gone down the path before you. It might look a little bit different, but they have trailblazed in their own right and ask them the questions. How did they get there? What did they do when they uh, had a setback? Uh, how do they approach certain situations? How do they navigate difficult conversations? Mentors are crucial in this process. And surrounding yourself with a community of like-minded individuals as well is important because sometimes you can't have a conversation with uh, someone who's not an entrepreneur. It's a different world out here to start your own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people might not understand why you can't go to sleep at night because you're trying to figure this thing out. And so being around other entrepreneurs or other people who are starting a ministry or something similar to you is that iron sharpening iron that can really help you to move forward and not quit when the rubber hits the road. Yeah. Yeah. You said, you said so many pearls, um, but, you know, creating your own table and, you know, especially BIPOC and just, you know, marginalized communities, you know, we're forced to be entrepreneurs because, you know, there's just basically at the creator own seats. And usually those are, it's better than, um, before and i love uh, what you talked about people that just don't get it i just i kind of in my the back of my mind whenever i encounter that i just say okay they just don't get it and then just you know because people have different stories and mm -hmm. yeah which is um the role of storytelling and healing trauma which is really interesting is because i've been reading this book on how to do the work with nicole lapera i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly but she talks about you know trauma and how it integrates with the nervous system and how it causes all these um, uh, health issues. And what's interesting is uh, I found that storytelling is actually quite therapeutic. So yeah. elaborate on how that works. Oh, there is such power in our sacred stories. <laughs> and that is a, a great place to start when we are navigating this healing journey. And I call it a journey because it's ongoing. Uh, we've experienced painful things in our lives. And oftentimes as a society, we don't create space for us to even talk openly about these difficult emotions that I feel sad, that I'm hurting, that I'm angry, whatever it might take place in your heart at that time. And mm. when it comes to the things that we've gone through, one of the challenges that we often have is that we can feel alone in our struggles. We can feel like we're the only one who feels this way, it's going through, it's an isolation type feeling that makes it even harder for us to move forward. And so when we 
share our stories in a safe environment. And that's key, Chris, because we don't want to tell our stories to the wrong person who will even traumatize us more, (laughs) share our business and, and make it worse. But if there's someone who is trained or someone who's trusted, who's earned the right to hear and hold our sacred stories, it allows us to be seen and heard and begin to identify the emotions associated with what we've gone through and even have a release. Sometimes when we're sharing our story, we don't need the person to do or say anything. Like sometimes there's no words to make us necessarily feel better for what we experience. But just the fact that you are allowing me to be vulnerable and you're not judging me, you're empathizing me, you're being a container for me, you're holding me in my pain is what I might need at that time to just allow a little bit of the pressure to to be released. And so, yes, in telling our stories, being heard, it is a, a big step in the healing process. It's not the only one, but it can really help us to begin moving forward. Yeah, which I which I really um, love talking about is because um, I w- what I love is you have this um, whole philosophy within a community, a faith based community, and you talk about mentors and and just people supporting each other. And so, you know, in this intersection of mental health and faith. Um, how can you know your the church better address mental health issues within the community, and what role does faith play in promoting emotional and mental well-being? Oh, it's, it's so important because uh, in the faith tradition, uh, in the Christian community, we look at the church as a spiritual hospital. Oftentimes people will go to the pastor before they'll ever go to see a therapist or ever get some additional support. Their faith is what sustains them in difficult times and is important to them, right? And I, I think the the thing that the church needs to recognize is that we can have both. We can have prayer. We can come to the altar for our emotional healing and spiritual healing, but we also can be on someone's couch as well. There's also room for us to sit with a trained therapist because although our pastor can pray for us, which is very important, and they can give us wise counsel, there are certain elements of our trauma and pain that we might have gone through that's out of their scope. And they won't have the capacity to really help us to navigate that or the skill set in many cases, unless they've had some training in that area. So it's important for church leaders to know their limits and be able to do a warm handoff to a trusted organization, professional, who can then provide additional care. And it's not like the pastor's kicking them to the curb. No, we're in partnership where the church and the mental health professional can work together to provide that person with the care that they need. And Many mental health professionals, especially uh, depending on what your faith is, like, for example, in in my tradition as a Christian counseling practice, we integrate mental health and faith into our sessions, which uh, is important to someone who is seeking support, who is a, a person of faith. Their faith is a cornerstone for them. So when you're able to integrate the two together, it can really expedite them in terms of their recovery and their healing process. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Um, you know, the more I talk to, because um, I love talking to the uh, generation of the the boomers, uh, just because mm. you can get a lot of um, experience and wisdom. And I love talking to Gen Z because you can see where the future is going. And um, talk about the uh, how setbacks and failures play a role in your uh, stepping stone for growth and success in 
ministry and in life? Well, I think the first thing is, Chris, setbacks are going to happen. It's not if, it's when. And the quicker you can recognize that and look at it not as a reflection of who you are, your value, but as simply a part of the process, the better you will be. If you have a growth mindset, as Carol Dweck often talks about, versus a fixed mindset. And so with that in mind, once you look at these setbacks and say, okay, what is this? How do I approach this? Is this something where is a lesson that I can learn from this as something I could have done differently? Because everything that we experience in life could also be looked at as data. Okay, so this didn't work out. Okay, this door was closed. Okay, well, uh, if I did everything that I could, then maybe this is something I need to release right now, leave it up to God from a spiritual perspective, and maybe I need to pivot. But my lessons learned along the way, no one can take that from me. And I'm still going to find another way. If that door is closed, I'm going to find a back door. I'm going to find a way over the door. I'm going to figure something out, but I'm not going to give up. Right. And so I think that's where the resilience comes in, because when the door shuts, sometimes people think that that's the end. No, it's just like, hey, that's not the right door. Or maybe I need to find a different key. But people give up too soon on the dreams that they have. And I think, again, that's because uh, we sometimes can be pain adverse and we look at these setbacks as something that can stop the vision, but nothing can stop the vision when you are committed to what you are called to do. And I I think that's why I always encourage people to say, nah, don't give up. That's a comma. That's not a period. That's not the end to this. And so looking at that from that perspective, I think helps people to continue to move forward. Yeah, I love that answer. And you talk about this um, idea of this growth mindset or fixed versus growth. And um, one thing that um, what have you seen in counseling, you know, um, your uh, community? Because one with people that have a fixed mindset, I feel like they uh, they feel like there's only one path and they mm. like you see like you said they give up too easily so how does that correlate you know fix versus growth and you know looking at things differently and finding a way to to achieve your outcome it is is very important to work on your mindset especially as an entrepreneur but I must say it's not easy especially when you've grown up and you're a recovering perfectionist such as myself and you you don't want to fail which kind of falls into the fixed mindset, you know, mindset. It's like, oh, I can't make mistakes, so let me not try. (laughs) Versus looking at it from a growth mindset, which is saying like, oh, if I fail, it's okay. I learn from it. What happened? There's growth here. It doesn't have to be perfect. Stumble forward in perfect action, which is a fixed mindset person's nightmare, right? And so it is a shift. And sometimes when I find myself going there, after making a mistake. And when I say going there, spiraling and saying, oh my goodness, this was terrible. Stop it, Jocelyn. I have to talk to myself. <laughs> I have to, to do the work around reprogramming myself to say, no, it's okay. Did anybody die? Did the world come to an end? No. But sometimes we can just make things out to be so big and, and even be so forward thinking about what if. What if this doesn't work out? What if people judge me? What if 
And all that is doing you a disservice and is keeping you stuck. Mm -hmm. Instead, my goal is to say, take imperfect action. Done is better than perfect. You will figure this out. You didn't have all the answers initially. You will never have all the answers. It is okay. But while you are stumbling forward, people are being blessed in the process of you doing this work. And the work that we're called to do, especially when it comes to ministry, is bigger than us. We're imperfect people being used by God to do great things. And so when I move from that standpoint of saying, Jocelyn, you don't have to be perfect to be powerful, that's when I'm able to do great things in the community and to help people because I'm moving it beyond just myself and I'm not limited by my imperfections. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's, it's called the imperfect progress and it's just kind of just progress over progress and growth over perfection that perfection mindset gets you stuck in and just holds you back um so one thing uh you know kind of uh, i really enjoyed talking with you and talking about especially in today's world uh, every time you turn on the news there's some there's something wrong with the world what is your idea of you know faith-based communities spirituality and you know helping others and um just in, especially in today's world uh what are your final thoughts and how can people find you sure i would just say this chris we all have our role to play in this fallen world i mean you look on the news for just five minutes and you can get depressed like just easily because it's overwhelming it's crazy cray cray out there yeah but at the end of the day are you a part of the problem or are you part of the solution each of us have unique gifts each of us have things that we can bring to the table so that if we do our part, what is your thing? That's what I'm challenging your listeners to ask themselves. What is your contribution to making a difference? Because if you do yours, I do mine. Chris, you do yours. Each of us take our little piece of the pie to try to make a difference in this world. Then we can slowly begin to change the tide. But if we look at this from a victim standpoint of like, oh, the world's jacked up and I can't do nothing about it then we'll never see change. So that's my challenge to your listeners to ask yourself the question, what is your role in this? And if anyone wants to get in touch with me, I encourage them to visit my website. They can learn more about me at jocelynjjones.com or if they are interested in me speaking at your organization, organization, you can go to jocelynspeaks.com to learn more about me and my work with helping women in ministry and all that good stuff. Yeah. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Reverend Johnson for coming on and uh, really well-spoken and really um, powerful, inspiring interview. And all of her resources will be in the links in the show notes. Be sure to give her a follow. And thanks for coming on to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me.